You're listening to Audio Theater in a Darker Shade. This is DarkerProjects.com. And now our feature presentation. You are in a land away from sunlight. You are in a land of darkness and fear. Somewhere between waking and sleeping are night terrors. Night Terrors, an anthology of horror and suspense. Tonight's presentation was adapted from Arch Obler's story, I, Madman. entertainment is based on the future. You can look forward to the future and all that it holds. But what happens when you find out your own future? Don't stare at me like that. Please, don't stare at me like that. I'm just like you. Yes, just like you. Uh, The cancer in the mind, it doesn't change us. Not at all. We live, we see, we understand. I I want to tell you how it started, where it started. It was at my club. Oh, a perfectly harmless place. Boring, I always thought it was. Old men sitting around a fire talking of little nothings. We younger members belonged just for the prestige. I rarely went there. Until that night. There were three of us sitting before a dying fire. Mr Quimmer, Old Harford and I. Old Harford, the oldest member of the club, the richest, because he had the most money he was supposed to know the most, and when he talked everyone listened as if it were the high priest himself speaking. (laughs) That night he had been doing very little talking, I'd been doing most of it. I remember when I got through spouting he looked at me through those gimlet eyes of his and said, I, I must say, you're a fool. John McTeague. Fool? I? Uh, Any man who talks the way you just did is a fool and no mistake, eh, Quimmer? (laughs) Right, Mr. Harford, right. And perhaps you gentlemen who agree so unanimously will tell me why I'm elected to the dunce's chair? Certainly I'll tell you. 
Any man who hopes to look into the future is a fool and no mistake. Right, Mr. Harford, right. But think, men. Think of what knowing the future would mean to a man. Why, he'd be a king on earth, knowing everything. The future trends of politics, world history, the rise and falls of money markets. Yes, <laughs> he'd be more than a king. He'd be a god on earth. A fool on earth. An unhappy fool. Knowing what the stock markets and, and the racetracks of the world would do, this man could make a fortune just like that. And if he could see ahead far enough, why, he could foresee his own death. Yes, and... And prevent it. Eh? What is he raving about? Yes, I tell you, the man who looked into the future could delay his own death. Few of us die naturally in our own beds. If a man, if I, could look into the future and see, for example, that I was going to die in an automobile accident, say, ten years ahead, I'd stay out of autos ten years from now and cheat death. Yes, cheat death. You hear that, you two? Cheat Death. Live my full span of years fully, completely, gloriously. And I tell you that if you knew the future, it would be tragic. It would be a horror beyond your comprehension. <laughs> Words. Words. I say that if I knew the future even a few days ahead, I'd hold the world in my hand. I'd have a power that no mortal man ever had before. I repeat... It would be a horror beyond your comprehension. Horror? horror. What, what are you talking about, horror? Oh, you would not understand. All right. Then let it be horrible. I tell you, I'd give my soul to be able to look into tomorrow. My soul. My soul. Yes, that's what I said to them, Mr. Quimmer and Old Harford. I said I'd give my soul to look into tomorrow. And you know, I think that somehow, uh, somewhere, the power heard. The power heard. I came out of the club a few minutes after I left Quimmer and Harford that day. I remember the sun was... Fiercely hot, the doorman said, Bright day, Mr. Matigue. I nodded my head. I kept walking up the street. In my mind, the things I'd been talking about to those old men kept turning and twisting. My car was parked around the corner. I kept walking. I turned the corner and then... Uh, how can I explain it? I, 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 I had a, a feeling that things weren't what they'd always been. Uh, like when you come home at night, you, you come into the living room, the, the furniture's been changed around while you've been gone. You don't quite know for sure that it has, but there's a, an, 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 an uneasiness in you. Somehow something's different. That's the way it was with me when I turned into that street. The same old street. I've been there many times. And, and, yet, and yet somehow quite different. The first thing was my car. It wasn't there at the curb where I had left it, but, but that, uh, that was only part of it. 
The storefronts, different, some of them. I stood there blinking in the sunlight, trying to figure it out. Peculiar changes all round, little, little things there. The same old street, and yet it wasn't quite the same. People walking, cars passing, and in me that strange, vague feeling that this, this was somehow different. Not the same street I had walked on but a few short hours before. Paper! Get your paper! Read all about it! The newsboy was calling out his papers on the corner. I walked up to him. He said... Paper, mister? Paper? Listen, fellow, tell me, is this... is this North Market Street? Sure. Can't you read the signs? Get your paper! Read all about it! Get your paper! Uh, wait, fellow, wait. Huh? Uh, let me have a paper, quickly. Sure. Gee, thanks. Paper! Get your paper! Newsboy, come back here, come back. What's the matter? This newspaper. It's the latest edition, mister. So help me. Look at it, you look at it. What's the matter with it? Look at it, I tell you. The date. Look at the date. Mister, are you nuts? It's today's paper. See? April 30th. But the year, look at the year. 1938. See? It's all right. 1938. But that's wrong, I tell you, wrong. It's April 30th, 1937. Gee, mister. You are screwy. Don't you even know it's 1938? Don't you? Don't It had happened. The thing I had talked about in the club to those old men had happened. Really happened. Somehow I had stepped into the world of the future. The world as it would be one year ahead. <laughs> no, no. It couldn't be true, I told myself. It couldn't. How could I turn a corner and move ahead 365 days? And yet the newspaper. I had to know. I, I hurried down the street. I saw a policeman. I went up to him. I said, Officer! Officer! Yes, sir? Officer, the date. Tell me the date. Sure. And is that anything to get excited about? It's... let me see. April the 30th. Yes, that's it. The last day of the month. Yes, I know, I know, but the year. Tell me the year. Ah, come now. It's pretty early in the day to be getting liquor. You fool, I'm serious. The year, please. Tell me the year. Now, along with you, you'd better be going home. I say if a man don't know the year, he'd better be off the street. No mistake. But, officer... Now, along with you... It's 1938, if that'll cool you down. So along with you. Along with you. Nineteen thirty-eight. <laughs> so it was true. I'd moved ahead one year in life. One solid year. That look into the future that I'd wanted was mine. And then suddenly in my ears, uh, no, in, in my head, I seemed to hear the voice of old Harford saying, It would be a horror beyond your comprehension. For a moment I stood there frightened and then, and, and then the fright was gone. And in its place came a thrilling sense of power I had never known. This was my opportunity, a chance a man had never had in all the history of the world. To step into the future, to know what was going to happen before anyone else in the world knew of it. 
All the things I said to Harford come true, a power in my hands that no one else has ever known. Knowing a year ahead of time the future trends of the stock market, the, the racetracks, a king, a king on earth. Oh, there was no doubt in my mind that I'd go back. You understand that I'd go back and be able to profit by what I'd learned in this world a year in the future. I remember. <laughs> I threw open the pages of the newspaper. Then I shouted aloud until the people turned and stared at me. There it was, in black on white, the horse races of a year away. The stock markets of a year away. All I had to do was save this paper so that when this miracle was over and I was back in 1937 again, I'd be able to use the knowledge to make a fortune. And then a thought struck me. I didn't know how soon this miracle would be over and I'd be back again in 1937. Better act fast, John McTague, I told myself. Get all the information you can on the winners in the horse races in the next year, the winners in the stock markets. I had to get my hands on the newspapers, all the newspapers, for the year that didn't even exist. And then another thought occurred to me. Old Harford, he said it couldn't happen. I'd phone him, that's what I'd do. I'd phone him and tell him of this miracle, that I'd been shoved ahead a year in my life, was walking in the year 1938, all in a minute. I turned into a drugstore, hurried into a phone booth. Operator, please ring BH32169. Thank you very much. Mr. Harford's residence. Hello, is uh, Mr. Harford in? Mr. Harford, senior? Uh, certainly, Mr. Harford, senior. Is he in? I, I'm uh, very sorry, sir. What are you sorry about? What are you talking about? He's not dead. Yes, sir. Dead. But, but I saw him only... I, I mean... When? When did it happen? Six months ago. Oh. And might I ask who is calling, sir? Uh, I, I, an old friend. Uh, you know me, Jenkins. The name is John McTeague. John McTeague? Yes, yes, John McTeague. You remember me, don't you, Jenkins? John McTeague... Uh, I say, Jenkins, why did you cry out like that? J Jenkins, what? Hung up on me. Now, why did he do that? Why should he cry out and hang up on me? Why? So, old Harford would die inside of the coming year, would he? I remember I chuckled to myself at the thought. <laughs> he hadn't known that he would be dead when he had said, It would be a horror beyond your comprehension. <laughs> yes. yes, I laughed. A horror beyond your comprehension, old Harford. You die within the year. <laughs> yes, 
that, that's what I said as I stood there in the phone booth, wondering why the old butler had screamed at me when he heard my name. Uh, but no matter, I told myself, knowing that old Harford would die within the coming year was interesting, but unimportant against the work I had to do. The newspapers, in them stock market and the horse races. I had to know what the market had done in the year, what horses had won. With that information safely written down, let the power that had sent me into the future take me back in time again. I wouldn't care. When I got back, I'd be the richest man in the world inside of a week. I hurried down to the newspaper offices. I went into their files. There, with the newspapers of the past year stacked before me, I knew a thrill no man had ever known before. There... There was the printed record of 365 days that hadn't been lived yet in time, and the knowledge I was going to get out of them would give me the world when I got back to the year 1937, as somehow, somehow I knew I would get back. I began to turn the pages one by one. I didn't write anything down at first. I wanted to enjoy myself reading what was going to be. And then... And then, it caught my eye, the headline, the, the paper of the day before, April the 29th, 1938, there it was, staring, glaring at me, letters of black streaking across the paper, words unbelievable. My eyes saw them and my ears sang with them. Slayer of Age Banker dies tomorrow. High Court refuses appeal of condemned man, John McTeague to die in electric chair. It was I, I, doomed to the electric chair, a murderer. A murderer. <laughs> I was a condemned murderer, that's what it said, condemned to die that night. But whom had I killed, when, where? I read on quickly, my eyes soaking up the words. Whom had I killed, whom? And then I saw the words. The words that told me, <laughs> and I couldn't believe, oh no, not him. Why should I have killed him in this year? I'd never lived. Why him? Why? <laughs> yes, I'll tell you, the man those newspapers said I had murdered was Old Harford. Yes, uh, un... Unbelievable to you, and so it was unbelievable to me. I turned the newspaper pages back, back through the days to find out what had happened. Days I hadn't even lived, moving back page after page into a time I'd never known, page after page. John McTeague, convicted of banker murder. Page after page. John McTeague case goes to jury. Trying to find out. Hartford murder case on trial. Why did they say I had done it? I, I kept turning the pages back, back. Grand jury indicts Don McTeague for banker murder. Turning the pages, going back into time to find out all about it. John McTeague held without bail for Hartford murder. Community shot by murder of aged banker. When and where and why had I done it? That's what I wanted to know. Aged banker murdered in downtown club. So, that was where. I had murdered him in our club, but when I looked at the date on the paper, there it was. 
I had killed Old Harford on October the 30th, 1937. And today, when I had first talked of this madness of going into the future, had been April the 30th, 1937. That was my destiny then. In six months, I would murder Old Harford. Why, I did not know. And in six more months, my fate would be the electric chair. Murderer refuses to give reasons for murder of fellow clubmen. John McTeague keeps silence on motives behind brutal murder in smart downtown club of aged banker. Yes, that was what the paper said. I gave no motives, but I had to know why my future was the murder of that old man. I had to know. And then suddenly I realised how late it was getting, and the thought... The memory of that day's headline suddenly flared in my head. John McTeague dies in electric chair tonight. Tonight. And yet I thought to myself, my brain pounding within me, how could that be? How could I die that night? How could I? Here I was, a free man, and yet the papers said, and the pictures were of me, that I was the one to die in the chair that night. And yet I, 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 I hadn't killed Harford. I had left him only a few hours before, dozing in that favourite easy chair of his. And yet these papers, these papers of a world that was really a year in the future, were saying that I was to die for having killed him six months before. My head began reeling, my brain pounding. How could that be? How could that be? How could they kill me when I was of the past, when this day was a year ahead in my life? No, no, not me. They couldn't kill me. Not me! Then I got an idea. I would go to the execution. Yes, go to my own execution. I wanted to see. I wanted to know. How could that be? Killing me in the electric chair when I was here a free man only a few hours before the papers said I was to be electrocuted? <laughs> yes, I would go to the electrocution. How I got to the prison, I don't know. All I remember is that I was there, crowds milling around outside the walls. I stood outside the walls of the jail with the others, until at last I heard someone say, They're letting in the lucky ones. Then I understood. They were letting in the reporters and the witnesses to the executions. The police were holding back the ones that didn't have invitations. Yes, invitations to my execution. But miraculously, how, when, I couldn't quite understand. But miraculously, I was inside with the others, taking a chair in the row of chairs that faced the black-armed chair they said was going to kill me. I listened to them talking. He had it coming to him. Yeah. Killing an old man. I'm kind of sick to my stomach. Take a couple of deep breaths. It won't be so bad. Do they really burn? Yeah, you see the smoke rise and curl and everything. Me. Talking about me. And yet I knew they were fools. Yes, fools. How could I die in the electric chair when I was sitting there next to them? How could I? All at once... Everyone around me stiffened in their chairs. I could hear their feet shuffling nervously on the concrete. I heard an iron door clang. Footsteps coming closer, and then suddenly they were there, the priest walking in front, and two guards following behind, half carrying between them. 
Oh, I swear to you, it is the truth. Half carrying me. The priest mumbling prayers, and me there, I tell you, me there between the guards. I knew it was me, not someone who just looked like me, but me, me. The man sitting next to me whispered, There goes John Matigue. They were putting me into the chair. Me sitting out there watching the me of a year later being strapped into the chair. It couldn't be. No, it couldn't be. A man couldn't have two beings like that. Two existences. Straps around arms. Helmet overhead. The warden's hand on the switch. No, I couldn't stand it any longer. I jumped to my feet. I screamed. Stop! Stop! Stop it! Stop it, it's me! Me! No! No, don't pull that switch! Don't throw that switch! That's me in the chair there! Don't throw that switch! (laughs) The world went to black. I didn't know. I couldn't see, couldn't hear, as if sitting there watching, I died with that other self there in the electric chair. And then suddenly someone was shaking me. Somebody was saying, You, you all right, sir? You all right? What? When? What? You must have fainted, sir, just after you left the club. I brought you in here. Are you all right, sir? Uh, certainly is all right, young fool. Walking in the streets without a hat. Mr. Harford. Eh? What's the matter? You're not... You're not... I'm not what? Say, you're in bad shape, young man. Sunstroke, if I miss my guess. You'd better get home and into bed. And no mistake. And then, suddenly, I knew I was back. Back in time, a year, back to April 30th, 1937. Back to where I had been, back to reality, back to my club. Old Harford, not dead, not murdered by me, bending over me, a sneer on his lips at my weakness. And suddenly, so strangely, suddenly, I... Hated the man. Yes, hated him. A mad, unreasoning thing, and yet there it was. Hatred. They took me home, talking all the time of my sunstroke, but but when I was alone, I reached into my pocket, and there, just the way I thought it would be, was the newspaper I had bought from that newsboy on the street. I spread it out on the table. Yes, Yes, it had all really happened. There was the dateline, April 30th, 1938. This was the proof that what had happened had happened. A newspaper of the world a year in the future. I suddenly jumped to my feet. This newspaper, the horse races, why, here I had the opportunity I had dreamed of. 
All I had to do was wait a year and then play the horses that would win those races a year away, the winners that were printed in this paper. I can make a fortune. All I had to do was wait a year. And then I remembered something else. That man dying in the electric chair. The murder which the newspaper said I'd do within six months. What could I do? What could I do to escape that horrible destiny? And then <laughs> I laughed. <laughs> Me? Kill old Harford? No, no, of course not. Now that I knew my destiny, I would escape it. I would never kill that harmless old man, not me. Yes, yes, I told myself this mad adventure I had had would mean my fortune, not my ruin. On that day a year ahead, I'd be a millionaire, not a prisoner in a death cell. Kill old Harford? Not me, not me. When I awoke the next day, it seemed as if the whole thing had never happened. And yet, there was that newspaper, date one year ahead. I took it out and looked at it. Mary Ann would win the first race at Churchill Downs, it said. Paid $50 for two. The room swayed as I read. This horse, this horse that would run on that day a year ahead would pay $25 for every dollar I invested. And there were six more races with the winners all in my hands. Oh, glorious newspaper. I, I treasured it. Oh, how I treasured it. <laughs> and oh, how I hated the slowness of the days that came. One by one they passed, bringing me closer and closer to my fortune. But oh, how slowly they went. A fortune ahead of me because I looked into the future. A fortune! Oh, if that glorious day, the dateline of that newspaper, would only come! But there was something else in the days beside their slowness that annoyed me. And that was Harford. I would go to the club. He would look at me from his deep easy chair and say, <laughs> Well, well, young man. Have you looked into that future of yours? Every day, every single day when I came into the club, he would say that. And oh, how I began to loathe the man. Aged, skin yellow, thick veins crawling under the yellow parchment of it. A faint odour of decay about him as if the grave was closing around him as he sat there in that easy chair waiting for death to tap him on the shoulder. I would sit down in that same room in another chair where I could keep an eye on him, and I would think of that scene in the future, that scene which I had so miraculously been a part of, that man, me, stumbling between the guards, the wine of the electric chair, and all because of him, that aged old fossil sitting there. Such horror he would have given me if I hadn't been given that power to look ahead. Such a horrible end. Death in the chair. Oh, why didn't he die, I'd ask myself. Why didn't he die and go to the grave that had been waiting for him so long? The days 
crept on closer and closer to the dateline of the paper. I had it all planned. I'd spread my bets all over the country. A thousand here, a thousand there. Keep the odds up. Stop suspicion before it started. I spent long hours figuring out what my winnings would be. You see, I could do that, and accurately too. That newspaper told me to a penny just what they'd be. The months passed. One, two, three, four, five. Closer and closer came my fortune. And that old man sitting there in my club kept sneering. Well, McTeague, looked into that future yet? Oh, how I wanted to tell him, laugh in his face, show him that newspaper. But I had to wait. I had to be silent first. I had to make my killing at the racetracks. <laughs> One morning, oh, months after it all began, I awoke with a strange feeling of uneasiness crawling within me like uh, a long green snake. I dressed quickly. I wanted to get out of the house. I decided to have breakfast at the club. I remember I picked up that blessed newspaper of the future just before I left the house and thought to myself that soon, soon, it would bring me all I'd been waiting for so impatiently. I came into the club. It was so early. Few were there. I went into a side room. I sat down. I thought I was alone. Suddenly, from the depths of a chair turned away from me, I heard... Well... If it isn't the young, rash Mr. McTeague himself. Mr. Harford, you're... you're here. <laughs> yes, and I think I'll be here long after some young whippersnappers are gone. Tell me, still in hopes of stepping into the future and making a killing, eh? <laughs> the moment he said that, I felt myself getting up out of the chair, slowly and yet so tensely, I didn't want to get up, and yet I did. I began walking toward him slowly. Slowly. Young man! What's the matter? I didn't want to walk toward him that way. And yet I couldn't help myself. I had to. Stop looking at me like that. Stop it, I say. Stop it! He kept backing away from me. Fright came into his old face. Fear glistened in his eyes. Stop, McTeague. Have you gone insane? Why are you looking at me like that? What do you want of me? Help me! Somebody! Then the wall was at his Stop. back. Don't. He could cringe Stop away no further. Help me! My Stop. hands were Don't. claws. They Stop shot me. out, closing Stop. in on his scrawny neck. Choking him. <laughs> Choking him, I wanted to stop, but I couldn't, I swear to you, I couldn't. My hands kept choking, <laughs> choking. <laughs> he was dead. Dead, old Harford, dead. And suddenly, suddenly, I remembered the day and the month. It was October 30th, the very same day to those newspapers I had read six months before had said I killed the man. <laughs> My destiny had caught up with me. <laughs> so, there's my story. No one believes it. Why should you? <laughs> and yet it's the truth. I swear to you, it is the truth. I looked into the future, but it did me no good. A man's destiny is his destiny. I killed old Harford, but it wasn't my fault, I tell you. It, it wasn't my fault. <laughs> Sam, what's he muttering about? Oh, that McTeague guy. Just a little stir-crazy, that's all. 
Most of them get that way after they've been in this place a while. But it won't be long now. What do you mean? Don't you ever read the newspapers? It's the 30th of April tomorrow. The day set for his execution. What was it that John said? A man's destiny is his destiny. Well, fault or no, he sure did find his destiny through electrical means. <laughs> been listening to episode number 208 of Night Terrors, adapted from Arch Obler's story, I Madman, through the Generic Radio Workshop script library. Featured in tonight's episode were David Alt as John McTeague, Shane Harris as Hartford, Ely Hirschman as Quimmer, Gabe Harris as the newsboy, James Leeper as the doorman, Joshua Perus as the police officer and the priest, Joe Stofko as Jenkins, Eric Baud as voice number one, and Alex Gilmore as voice number two. Music by Kevin McLeod and Kai Hartwig. Produced and post-production by MJ Cogburn. Executive producer, MJ Cogburn. This is Pete Lutz speaking. This has been a Darker Projects production. Thank you for listening. Ha, 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 ha.